Welcome back, church family, to another episode of Head to Heart. And I am already cranky about recording tools, so Colin, I need one of your icebreaker questions. Mm, I got a good one for you today, Ben. Mm. And I'm dying to know the answer to, oh. if animals could talk, which animal would be the rudest? The rudest. Oh, man. See, this is going to lead to offending animal lovers of all shapes and sizes, <laughs> I'm sure, no matter what I answer. Oh, you know what? This may be doing uh, my boy wrong, but I think the dung beetle would just be pretty rude. Just oh. in general, about his crankiness with life. Yeah. It's got to be His purpose is just poopy. Yep. It would lead <laughs> me to being quite rude, I think. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, maybe contrary to Chronicles of Narnia, the beaver. Oh. I just feel like the beaver would be uh, insulting and... Yeah, my dad deals oh, nice. with those uh, as pests up at up at the camp there. So, yep, I think he would agree. Yeah, well, yeah. there we go. Well, we've we've answered it for all time, uh, yeah. and it's just completely unarguable. Well, this episode today is a bit of a follow up episode from the last one. We're continuing this theme of the doctrine of justification, and really just how it connects with the life and heart of the Christian. So. Bit of review from the last episode when we're talking about justification, the definition I was pulling from Grudem here. Uh, the doctrine of justification involves two primary aspects, right? It's an, ast- an act of God uh, that is instantaneous, in which, number one, God forgives us of our sins and the righteousness of Christ is applied to us, and number two, uh, God declares us righteous in his sight. So another way to restate that, justification is the instantaneous act of being declared righteous before the eyes of God. In an instant, it is the trading of sin from the sinner with the righteousness of Christ. Yeah, and last time we talked about uh, like courtroom language. And so another helpful example, especially for me, is this passage in Zechariah uh, 3. Uh, so let me just read it and you can kind of see where yeah. justification falls in line here. Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with the pure vestments. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. Wow. There is some deep theological implications there at the end with the angel of the Lord standing by. But anyway, I think you get the picture. He has these filthy garments. They're taken from him. Hmm. And then pure garments or pure vestments and a clean turban are placed on him, showing the righteousness of Christ. And so uh, I think that something that plagues the life of a Christian is the guilt and the shame that follows our sinfulness. Yeah. So, just for a picture here, it's like a ball and chain on the soul that in a superficial way seems like it's dragging us further from God and closer to the absence of Him in our lives. And it's truly an awful thing. Hmm. But I believe this doctrine helps us fight that and causes us to live differently. So let's go to another passage, Romans 8 here. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law 
might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Hmm. And so there we see, I mean, even in that first verse, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we know that in Christ Jesus is being saved by Christ, putting our faith in him as the object of our faith. So if there's an intellectual understanding of the actual implications of justification, and we move that into our hearts so it's faith-filled, um, then guilt and shame, they just don't have a place in our lives. Yeah. Well, there's certainly a difference between conviction of sin and this ongoing guilt for right. our sin, right? One yeah. has a place in the Christian's heart and life, one does not, um, right? A conviction of sin that is good, that's uh, brought about by the presence of the Spirit within us, right? The Holy Spirit recognizing that what we're doing is wrong and the desire that we ought to be living in obedience to our Savior, of course. So there's there's a right conviction of sin that we don't want to overlook. Certainly there's right. a maturity that's present in the heart of a believer that's convicted of their sin. Um, but again, contrast that with this 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 presence of guilt, this a, a burden on the heart uh, that's usually followed up with shame and, and all sorts of other kind of negative things, anxiety, anger, all, all these things uh, that typically follow up just a, a guilt, a burden over our sinfulness. Now, of course, everyone is guilty before God, uh, but that's yeah. apart from the work of Christ. When, again, following our courtroom analogy, when we open the doors of his courts by faith, uh, through the work of Jesus, he he clears uh, the guilty of their sin once and for all, mm-hmm. uh, again, because of the blood of his son. Our robes for his, following up with that, that uh, Zechariah example of the garments. Uh, so again, as you just read in Romans, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I just, I read that and I rejoice, but then I quickly, so quickly forget those words, yeah. right? In the day-to-day, in the slog of, of, of Christian living, when temptation arises when there's a repeated area of sin, a repeated failing that rears its head in my life. That's that's when the enemy slips in and I've got these thoughts of, of you know self-condemnation or, or assuming God is condemning me, the self-loathing, assuming God is angry, these these kind of tailspin thoughts. I like how you put it, the idea of, of slipping into the ocean with a, with a chain around my foot. It just feels like I, I, I can so quickly sink into a completely wrong understanding of really who God is. That's mm-hmm. that's what we keep getting at. It, it, mm-hmm. it is a doctrine issue, even though in those moments, I'm about as far from a like textbook, theological textbook, as I could ever be. Yet, at the core, it's me doubting a character of Christ, a promise of Christ, or who God is, you know, etc., filling in there. So it's still stemming around doubting the wonders of justification, even if I don't see it that way. Right, yeah. So, uh, justification, if we take it from our heads to our hearts, which is the point of this podcast, right? It really is the key to unlock hmm. the ball and chain that is dragging us to the bottom of the ocean. And it basically frees us to breach the surface and discover the world that is there, right? To discover new life in Christ. We don't know what that looks like if we're sinking to the bottom of the ocean. Um, so in practicality, um, I'm not going to be trapped in the cycle of shame that leads me away from serving and loving others, that leads me away from the body of Christ, and that ultimately leads me away from Christ himself. Instead, there's a repentance of sin, a progression in your faith, and so that you can live the life God has called you to. Uh, in a sense, it's a shackle-free or a guilt-free life. And you are justified before God 
to live a life that recounts that justification. Hmm. So if, if Christians, if Baker Heights, if we can get this doctrine and we believe it as truth, then there's going to be more serving, more hospitality, more burden bearing, more intentional care and love for one another, more honoring one another, more praying, more Bible reading, more loving your enemies, more peace. And the list just really goes on and on. And it is no secret that these are the last things that we do when we're dwelling on the guilt and shame brought to our hearts and minds Mm, by our sin. And so Christ carried your sin to the cross and it died with him. And though sin is present in your life, it has no hold on the Christian. We are above water, on the shore, serving, (laughs) loving, and living a guilt-free life. That means we should have no more thoughts of the bottom of the ocean um, and where our sin was taking us. Yeah, something you brought up when we were preparing for today's episode here that I have not thought much about, that I was just I was moved by, but thinking of the witness of Scripture, we have very little, relatively, from the biblical authors recounting their sin, mm-hmm. their struggles or sinfulness. But we have a whole lot of them recounting what Christ did with their sin, taking care of it and the righteousness of Christ, you know, etc., that's incredible. If that's the focus of the Bible, that ought to be the focus of my heart and life, I yeah. would say. So, again, Christians, as you're listening to this, I pray and our hope is that this reminder today is a help to you. Be reminded of the righteousness that is yours in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right, The doctrine of justification has been settled at the cross, yet that truth impacts how we live day by day. Yeah, and the, and the practicality of it all is, is hard to get at, but it will be noticeable in your life, the, yep. the way you live when you believe this doctrine. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just pray that we as a church can grasp that and live like it's true because it really does change things. Yeah. Um, so, well, we hope that you were encouraged by this, Baker Heights. Um, let me pray as we start our week or get into whatever you're doing as you're listening to this. Uh, let's go to God and ask him. Yeah. Uh, to help us. Father, we thank you uh, for the doctrine of justification, for this actual real-life event in the cross that happens to free us from our sin, our guilt, our shame, so that we can live a life that glorifies you in service and love to one another, um, ultimately serving and loving you. So help us, God, to do that as Christians. Help us to do that as a church for our friends, for our family, for our community, that we would be a light uh, up on this hill uh, for you and for your gospel. Let us take it as the banner and uh, the, the heart of our cry, the cry of our heart as we as we uh, go into our workplaces um, in our communities. It's in your son's name that we pray this.